Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Here's your host, Kyle Charter. Only three weeks till the start of training camp for Purdue, give or take. Maybe a couple of hours or a couple of days. The biggest questions the Boilermakers need to answer, we'll ask them coming up on this Gold and Black Radio podcast. Kyle Charters here with Tom Deanhart. Tom, I, I I escaped from the the Buckies that I was trapped in down there in <laughs> Kentucky, coming back from from vacation on Sunday. Uh, I made it out. That's a place. I, I don't know if you've been in one of those. I, that was my first experience at a Buckies. That is complete. Insanity. <laughs> Surprised you made it back. I thought thought you'd just kind of trade in your life and become like a short order cook at Bucky's there. Uh, <laughs> I know, I, I've seen some stuff on the internet about Bucky's, the ginormous uh, convenience store slash gas station. It just looks out of sight. That's on my it's on my bucket list, Kyle. I got to check one out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a bucket list item for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think you could just you could just live in there. I think you could just set up a tent, and uh, you'd be good to go. Just never have and to they go got anywhere. The, and they've got the quote world's largest truck stop, I believe, on I eighty in Iowa, which is a beacon. But these Buckies, they dot what the southeast and southwest, uh, the the convenience store on steroids, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. This one was in probably the most northern one, Richmond, Kentucky. Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, and so in the last three months, I've hit the, uh, in the last three months, I've hit the world's biggest truck stop and a gigantic gas station. So that's good. Life is good for Kyle Charters. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no doubt. I live a celebrity lifestyle. Uh, all right, Tom, let's, let's jump into, uh, talk a little bit of training camp. I would imagine that it starts approximately three weeks from today, I don't know if you have the exact date for that. Perhaps you do, but it's got to be right there in, in early August. Uh, so, you know, a lot of questions, I think, to be answered during training camp for the Boilermakers. Let's try to hit on some of those questions. Probably won't have the answers to a lot of these. Hopefully Purdue will be able to answer them in training camp. Some of them maybe uh, will go unanswered into the season. You know, with Samson James, again, transferring, uh, we, we never got to see him in a Purdue uniform. It again raises the question about Purdue having enough running backs. That's a question that is going to face Purdue certainly during camp and maybe beyond. Yeah, Samson James, we hardly knew you, buddy. Just a strange circumstance, Kyle. I can't say it's a big surprise that he's checked out. Um, you know, we missed some time in the spring dealing with some personal issues. I think there's just a lot going on there. Uh, so here's Purdue, like you said, now down a running back. And, you know, don't don't get me wrong. Samson James wasn't going to be counted on to be a 20-carry-a-game guy. He, he was going to be a bit player, a depth player at, at best anyway. But still, you would have certainly liked to have had him on your roster <clears throat> to help fortify things, right? So now Purdue's down a back. And <clears throat> don't don't expect the Boilers to, to add anybody late on, on here. And um, you, can, you can still fish out a grad transfer and they can be eligible right away. If you take a non-grad transfer, Kyle, you have to get a special waiver. But, again, uh, from what I'm hearing, I, I don't suspect Purdue will add another back here between now and the start of the season. 
Um, so you're still looking at, you know, King DeRue, obviously, and Dylan Downing is your top two backs. And I think maybe, maybe Kyle, maybe, maybe the number one back, Kobe Lewis, right? The Central Michigan transfer. Um, keep your eye on that kid. Uh, he ran for 1,000 yards way back in 2019 for the Chippewas. He missed last year with a knee injury. I think he's motivated. And uh, he can play out in space and catch the ball, too. So they have three guys they can count on right now. Uh, but, again, uh, you certainly would have liked to have had a fourth just in case things get hairy there with injuries. Yeah, I mean, you feel a little bit better with, with four, but you can probably make it through the season with three if you stay stay healthy. But, man, you lose a couple of those guys, and things certainly change. Uh, the biggest positional uh, question, is it on the offensive line and specifically on the right side of the offensive line? Yeah, real quick, just to add on to the running back thing, to remember they're going to they plan on using Tyrone Tracy as a ball carrier too at times, the Iowa transfer, yeah. a wide receiver by trade, but look for him to carry the ball maybe a handful of times a game too. Um, yeah, back to the offensive line question. Um, <clears throat> I think that the right side, that's, uh, that's a good way to assess it, Kyle. I think Hartwig is the center. Spencer Holstead is the left guard, and I think you'll see Eric Miller at left tackle sort of where he played in the bowl game when Greg Long was out. Uh, the right side, you got to find your guard and a tackle. And um, from all reports, they really like Marcus Bow, the redshirt freshman uh, from Wisconsin at either one of those guard or tackle spots there. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think Cam Craig, too, Kyle, he, he's going to be probably a starter. So I think a combination of Bow and Cam Craig will probably be your right side. I'm going to say Bow at guard and Craig at tackle. The other redshirt freshman they like a lot is the Mahane Musa from Indianapolis Pike. Uh, you know, if he really has a great camp, I mean, maybe maybe Musa earns a starting spot. But I think they have three good guys there they feel comfortable with. And just for everybody to remember, too, that they have the two transfers on the offensive line. Uh, Sione Finau, who's a guard from FIU, uh, who was here for the spring but didn't practice much because of injury. And then they have the tackle from Kent State. Who got to Purdue this summer? Daniel Johnson. Uh, he's a he's a he, again he's, he's he's more of a finesse guy and an edge guy. But I don't know if they're starting caliber Kyle, but there's certainly guys that are going to get long looks too. So the other on the defensive side, probably the the question in terms of at least who the starters are. I feel like Purdue has some depth at this position, but maybe IDing who the starters are, especially after Marvin Grant, the safety, decided to transfer to. Kansas, uh, who are who are the starters? Kansas, by the way, on a little bit of an aside, <laughs> Kansas has got to be Kansas got to be one of those schools in this whole reshuffling of of uh, of Power Five schools that is going to get left out in the cold, right? I mean, especially for a, for a program that has a great basketball program and its football mm-hmm. program is. Mm-hmm, is Kansas is just you're, you're, Kansas going to get left out. Kansas school yeah, left out. Yeah. yeah, they're one. You remember when this was all this stuff was going on about 2010 or 11? There was a real thought Kansas is going to end up in Conference USA or in the Mountain West, and and that could certainly be their fate again. Um, so, yeah, there's even some crazy speculation. The basketball team would go to the Big East and the football team would become an independent. So, you're right, Kansas is one of those places that's certainly, you know, 
you know, biting its fingernails and and uh, saying its rosary, hoping hoping the Big 12 stays together. Because like you said, they're one of several schools that could really be big losers in the massive reshuffling here. I and mean, then not to get off on a big tangent, but everything sounds like how this is all settling down for now. No movement. All eyes are on Notre Dame. If Notre Dame makes a move, then you're going to see, I think, cataclysmic change kick in again. But things could be pretty, uh, uh, I guess, solid, if you will, for at least a year or two. But, yeah, you know, back to your question about uh, Marvin Grant going to Kansas. Still a very curious move. Um, you know, Chris Jefferson, who transferred from Finley last year, he's, he's probably going to be that starting safety alongside Cam Allen. He's, he's a solid guy, undersized, smart, heady. And I think you'll see uh, the transfer, Bryce Hampton from Adams State, Kyle. You know, he can play corner and safety, I think, with Marvin Grant leaving. He'll be, probably be more of a safety. Sanusi Kane would have been a guy, but uh, he may not be ready for camp. He had off-season hip surgery, so he may be delayed getting on the field. So that's just, that safety spot is certainly one worth watching. Yeah, yeah I mean uh... – yeah, the, the the grant thing is interesting, and it is you know it's sort of tangent. Like Iowa State is more attractive as a as a potential addition to your conference. Kansas is so weird, so everything's still based on football, and certainly the Cyclones have had a lot better better history than uh, than Kansas as a football program. Uh, all right, another question for you: Does Aiden O'Connell have a a number one receiving? If so, who is that, or does that need to be developed? I think Brock Thompson's going to be the guy. Um, no offense to Tyrone Tracy or Charlie Jones, the transfers from, from Iowa, who I think are going to be nice additions and impactful. I think Brock Thompson's going to be the alpha this year. Uh, we saw that in the Music City Bowl. Remember his MVP performance that day, playing on two bad shins. Uh, just remarkable. <clears throat> uh, Unmatched work ethic, passion, and focus, and want to. I think he's going to be your guy. He had 30 catches last year. Could push toward 70, 80, 90, I think. He's healthy, Kyle. He had both shins operated on this offseason. He's good to go. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to be your guy. There, there, again, it may not be a David Bell or even a Milton Wright. But still, like I said, between Thompson and, uh, and, and the two Iowa kids, Tracy, Charlie Jones, I think Purdue's got a good threesome there. And then you still got, remember, T.J. Sheffield, keep Mershon Rice healthy, Abir Yaman, Yaman Yassin, youngster Dion Burks. Uh, there's uh, there's some nice potential, I think, at receiver for Purdue. Is there speed in that group? Yeah, that's the one thing, my friend. There's not a blazer. Uh, there's some quick guys. Charlie Jones is quick. Tracy's quick. Dion Burks is quick, but there's not a run by you kind of a wide receiver. So, yeah, that's – I mean, David Bell wasn't that guy either. I'm not – you know, he, he did a lot of other things exceptionally well. Um, but Prue didn't have a real blazer last year. They never typically have a blazer anyway. So, um, they, 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 again, I, I think I think they can just beat teams with their numbers. They're going to have some quality options, I think, uh, to throw at teams. And I think, too, Kyle, having those two tight ends uh, – could open things up on the perimeter too for those receivers with Payne Durham and Garrett Miller being maybe, maybe Kyle the best tight end tandem in the Big Ten, if not the best, certainly one of the best. I think one of the things we're all going to be watching in those early days of practice, assuming that uh, those first couple will at least be open, 
uh, to the media and to the public is what difference Ron English brings to produce defense as the yeah. play caller. Um, do you anticipate seeing a lot of difference in in sort of how Purdue is lining up, what kinds of things it's doing um, with Ron English as the guy? It's a good point. Certainly something worth watching. And we talked to him in the spring for a little bit. Didn't get any indication schematically things are going to be any different than they were last year with Brad Lambert running the defense, Kyle. Um, they want to be aggressive. And that mark, those marching orders come from Jeff Brom. They want to take chances. <clears throat> they want to try to make plays. And they know they're going to give up plays in doing so, but they hope they make more than they allow. Uh, again, they want their defense to a lot of ways reflect their offense being attacking. <clears throat> again, uh, they're not going to be reckless about it. So, again, um, I, if there's any changes, I think it'll be subtle. We'll get into that more as August gets deeper here soon. But, <clears throat> again, I wouldn't expect anything radically different schematically. You know, the base alignment is the same. A lot of personnel is the same, and you know. Let's be honest, Kyle. I think you'd agree with this this next this next statement. But that defense really was the biggest key to success last year for Purdue, right from game one to game thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Especially early in the season when Purdue's offense was yep. just sort of okay. And then even when you look at the Tennessee game, in my opinion, I mean, even though the stats get a little out of hand, I, I don't. I just don't think you're. You know, under Jeff Brom, you can look at a, at a Jeff Brom team's defense and look at it strictly from a stats point of view all the time, at least in some games. And that Tennessee-Purdue game gets a little bit crazy at the end, obviously. But you get a couple guys make plays. And that's, you know, that's what it's about, in my opinion, on defense. You have a couple of guys make plays when they need to make plays. And then we're not yeah. expected to be – Maybe a couple of guys that you expected to make the plays. I think Joe Anderson made one of the biggest stops of the game. Jabari Brown makes the biggest stop of the game. So, you know, I, I think that's as much what it's about sometimes for for this Purdue defense under Jeff Brom. Yeah, you're exactly right. You can't get uh, can't get married in the numbers and the stats and, and, and look at that as the ultimate you know, uh, success success measure for this defense. You talked about making key plays at key times in games, getting key stops. Getting off the field on third downs, that was always a big one they talked about going into the last year. You know, getting pressure. You want sacks, but at least get pressure. And they certainly got a lot of pressure last year as well in generating turnovers. I think they may have finished even for the year or maybe slightly uh, in the plus plus category with turnover margins, so they, they did a lot of those things, and and those are I don't know three big ones they like to focus on. It, oh, you know, again, Carl Loftus is gone. There's not a George Carl Loftus, Kyle. We all know that, and we all know the pressure that he brought last year too. Not a ton of sacks, but a lot of pressure, right? You know, can Kydren Jenkins get some more heat? Can Scotty Humpich, the transfer from Murray State, get heat? Uh, Corday Sidner, a redshirt freshman who looked good in this spring, can he be a pass rusher? Jack Sullivan, Joe Anderson. I don't think there's a Carl Office talent, obviously, there, but I think there's some good options for Mark Hagan to work with, and maybe they can generate some pressure consistently with some of those guys. Yeah, that was the other big question, right, is, is where the the pressures come from. Do they have an end, yeah. like a, a one guy who can get, you know, more than six sacks this season and can be, you know, who can develop sort of into that guy? I think if I had to pick, Two guys, I, I'd say Scotty Humpich 
I just spoke up, and Courtney Sidner as well. Uh, I think those two guys could develop into effective edge rushers that could get five or more sacks this year. Uh, Humpage certainly looks the part he's well-developed. I think this will be his fifth year in college. Again, looks the part. He's really motivated, too, to show he can play at this level. And Sidner is a guy I know the staff likes. And, again, like I said earlier, looked up. Uh, look good in the spring and maybe ready to turn the corner as well. I think Jack Sullivan, he's your anchor end. He's just more of a guy who's going who's gonna, to, you know, anchor against the run. <clears throat> and then Kydron Jenkins, you know, he got hurt late, played his redshirt freshman because of injury. Uh, I don't know if he's an elite pass rusher. Again, the two guys, like I said, that really excite me the most are we Humpage and Sidner, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and let me All say right, this, too. I don't want I don't want the pressure on two freshmen. I don't want the pressure on two freshmen. Nick Carraway, again, that's a guy, the four-star from Texas, that I know they like a lot. And uh, he's probably going to be a Leo like Hydron Jenkins and like uh, and like Scotty Humpage. But Nick Carraway is a guy, like I said, just got there this summer. They're going to give him every opportunity on the field. Let's take a break. Let's come back. We'll talk a little bit of uh... – some of the more recent developments with the football program. We'll do that uh, coming up next. This is Golden Black Radio. It's time to boil her up and join the Brom squad by gearing up with the best selection of Purdue apparel in stock only at Follett's. Visit the Black and Gold Mine store across from Mackey or Follett's Purdue West on State Street for the best game day apparel from Nike, Columbia, Champion, Cutter and Buck, and more. Shop Follett's late on game day weekends. Follett's has been your Purdue game day stop since 1945. If you can't make it to the game, shop online at FollettsPurdue.com. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspiring cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the Energize and Attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Often, things are worth more than they seem. For Purdue grad and NASA astronaut Jerry Ross, incredible value was found in the Purdue Alumni Visa. Not just because of the exclusive Purdue card designs, but for the unlimited cash back and out-of-this-world visa benefits. Discover the official Purdue Alumni Visa credit card. Apply today at PurdueFed.com. Purdue Federal Credit Union. Belong where you have worth. Federally insured by NCUA. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Kyle with Tom here on the podcast. We talk a little bit of football, as believe it or not, training camp is right around the corner. Then the season after that, one of the most highly anticipated ones, I think, here over the last uh, 
decade, maybe more for Purdue. Uh, so much anticipated that uh, Purdue had a, a coach come back uh, this last week. Neil Calloway <laughs> is no longer retired. That was short. Um, I have a bad feeling that that's what my retirement's going to be like. I'm just going to keep doing things, <laughs> even though I am probably ready to be done doing things. But uh, Calloway is back again. <laughs> Kyle, you, you, you're going to find me at that Starbucks in Salisbury in that 52 there being your barista making uh, fancy <laughs> little designs in your latte, cafe latte. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be there with you trying to, trying to push some biscotti on you too. Yeah, you know, Neil originally <clears throat> was going to still be sort of a consultant, if you will. I mean, maybe once or twice a year and uh, look at film when he was back home in Birmingham. <clears throat> but now he's coming back as a as an offensive analyst, sort of a role he had back in 2020. And last year he was elevated to a full-time assistant coaching spot, assistant O-line. And, uh, again, like you said, he retired. And a few days later, Kyle, he, he was suddenly was the head – he was the offensive line coach for the Michigan Panthers in the USFL. And he did that because, again, all those games in the USFL took place in Birmingham, which is where he already lived. So it was convenient. Um, again, now he's back, so that's good for Purdue. He's a, he's a sage coach. He's a very good offensive line coach. Sixty six years old. He's bent everywhere, and just another another guy to have help Dale Williams with that offensive line. Uh, Purdue still has to hire a defensive analyst, and that'll happen later this month. But uh, yeah, just one other piece to a coaching staff puzzle that you know really always changes uh, every year. It seems like quite a bit. Yeah, not a bit, not not bad to have the experience around. Certainly, I mean, as you said, somebody who's coached for a long time, multiple different places, including in the second stint in the USFL. Uh, yes. As for guys who who could be new, who could be new Boilermakers, Purdue's still waiting on a couple of potential commitments, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Cole Dellinger is an offensive lineman, pretty big big time recruit, and uh, from Michigan. <clears throat> And then uh, the big defensive tackle from Indianapolis Cathedral, Kendrick Gilbert, a four-star talent. Of course, Kyle, as you and listeners know, Purdue's got a nice pipeline to Indian Cathedral here of late, right? Uh, Drawn um, Tibbs, the wide receiver, committed within the last couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I think they have a shot at both these guys. Kendrick Gilbert, I think, his favorite is, is Kentucky. Purdue's one of his final four, but I think Kentucky's the team to beat. And, you know, Cole Dellinger, I think most people expect he's going to land at Michigan State. But keep that on your radar. Maybe there's a surprise there. I like Purdue's chances better for Gilbert than Dellinger. Boy, if they got Gilbert, Kyle, my goodness, already the group of defensive linemen Mark Hagan has is outstanding. To add him to the fray of already four good ones, would be incredible. Remember, Kyle, last year, Hagan brought in four good defensive linemen led by Joe Strickland, of course, J.P. Deaton. We talked about Nick Carraway and, of course, the West Side kid, Romana Day. So uh, some good young talent being brought into the program along the D-line. It's paid off, seems like. Mark Hagan, it's worked out. I mean, yeah. yeah. I tell you, uh, yeah, what can well. you say? Yeah, you know Mark, and uh, you covered Mark, and and uh, awfully intense, all business all the time, <clears throat> well-respected coach, a tremendous recruiter, knows the state. So yeah, what a what a great hire. You know he's uh, 
he's one of the higher paid assistant coaches for a reason, Kyle. Yeah, no doubt. It has definitely paid off. Uh, three weeks to go till training camp, Tom. What what are you doing uh, leading up to to practice this starting? You know, still kind of having fun looking at the schedule. Uh, toughest conference game, non-conference game, toughest stretch. Have a few more of those dribs and drabs coming out. I've got a, I think I've got a pretty nice story coming out tomorrow on the Indianapolis, some of the Indianapolis kids on the team played together as youths. Brock Thompson, Tyrone Tracy, and Reese Taylor. Um, kind of grew up together. David Bell was part of their gang a little bit too. But, again, it's kind of fun. These guys as youth were studs, and sort of after high school they went their separate ways, and now all of a sudden they're back at Purdue having gone there. Sort of circuitous route to all end up back together again. And I, I got a couple other fun stories, I think, coming up as well. So, yeah, keep your, uh, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, I think people should enjoy some of the content, like you said, Kyle, Early August, camp will be opening up, and never a shortage of things to dig into at that point, obviously. No doubt. Hey, Tom, thank you. Take care, buddy. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. We do thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe if you are not already on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors, as always, back again next Monday with this version of the Golden Black Radio podcast. Uh, Thanks to Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.